I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 11, episode 24. I'm Jack. And I'm AST. And it's just the two of us this week. Chris is unfortunately not feeling well. Um, and I'm sure most people have turned off now already. Um, so thank you to those that have stayed with us. Um, we've got a couple of games to cover. It's been a um, been another crazy few days being a Spurs fan, you know. We did the pod last week. We had the euphoria of, you know, beating City. And we were previewing Burnley. And we sort of said, oh, wouldn't it be typical Spurs to go to Burnley and get beat? And what happened? We went to Burnley and got beat. And then we bounced back and we hammered Leeds. So it's, you know, it's been a strange couple of days. I guess the best place for us to start is that frustrating 1-0 loss at Turf Moor. Um, what did you make of it? I can sort of tell by your face that you weren't really at all surprised. You've been supporting Spurs long enough, you knew it was coming. Yeah, it was It was the most predictable thing, wasn't it? You, you could just tell it was going to happen. Um, he must be, like, Conte must be just flabbergasted with how you can go from going and giving it to City and then just going up and losing to Burnley in the way that we did. It, it's just, it, it it was unbelievable. It was so predictable. It was such a shame for Spurs. Like, I think you most Spurs fans didn't get angry. They just laughed. The yeah. bit that disappointed me was the reaction to the comments afterwards. It feels like people are making headlines out of snippets of a translated uh, interview or just think, and people are going way overboard. Like even match of day commentators are going, you know, I was I was watching the Leeds highlights again. They were saying, you know, after Conte came out and said he was unsatisfied with his position, whatever they said, that's not what he said. He's, a, he, he, he's emotional after a game because he doesn't want to lose. Of course, of course he doesn't want to lose, but he didn't, he never said he wanted to leave. He came out and said he had to, the club has to consider his position and the structure of the club and what they want. Of course they do. Of course they do. That is so obviously pointed at the club because we've got a great manager, we've got a decent set of players, and we know that it's a structured club. So what I made of the game, it was a disappointment, a bit of a disgrace. The amount of points that we've dropped out of those extra games is unbelievable. We're in a worse position having played the games in hand. Like it's it's a shame. And I, I did see a if you have a look at where um, they took, where they got free kicks from, they played for free kicks in just outside the corner of the box, both the box, both sides, but mainly on the on their right hand, our left hand, because that's where we're vulnerable. And it worked. So where they got their goal, they tried it a few times. It was just a bit of a disappointment, and you could tell it was what was going to happen, couldn't you? Yeah. yeah, it was frustrating. And just on on the Conte comments as well, I think that the the media are an absolute disgrace at the moment because they have just invented this narrative that Conte is mm. going to leave Tottenham and like everyone's jumped on it and he's not done or said anything that makes you actually think, well, he's going to go. Like He's not come out and said, I'm unhappy. I want to leave. And I, I just think that what the media have done is create this, this headline from absolutely nowhere where obviously there's not a lot going on in their news world at the minute. So they think, well, let's just go to Spurs and try and make up a story and try and create a bit of unrest. Um, of course, Conte's frustrated. His team has gone to City and played magnificently and won. And then three days later, we've got done 1-0 at Burnley, who have won, was it two games all season? Of course, he's going to be frustrated. Like, we're all frustrated at it. Imagine, imagine having a group of players that can beat City, but can also lose to Burnley. Like, it'd be tearing his wig or his hair out, wouldn't he? Like, of course he will be. It, it's like, it's completely normal to see a manager react like that. 
Yeah, his his hair is going to fall out because he was bold, wasn't he? And he's going to go from like a before and after and a before back to before photo soon, bless him. Um, but it really is very much like we have got the be- the right manager in the right place. Now we need to sort this structure out and whatever is going on with his 18 month contract as well, because obviously just next just having him next year what isn't enough we just need to give him everything he wants if it, it depends what levy and um what levy wants really isn't it it's this is a team that can lose to bernie so something needs to be done with the team and with the recruitment and everything like that we've got the manager we've got two, the two best attacking players in the league give or take <laughs> salah and jota like what what do they want? Do they want to build a team that can challenge for trophies, or do they just want to make a profit and be, you know, yeah. and just be a, be gentle? And I, I think that really the eighteen month contract that he took left both parties with a bit of a get out of jail free card because absolutely. Levy got absolutely burned, didn't he, with the Mourinho salary and what he had to pay him off. I know he wasn't on a really long deal, but he got burned with that, and that that the Mourinho reign become toxic very very quickly. Um, so we'll have probably looked at it and thought Conte's a very, very successful and current top manager, but mm. does have a lot of those old school traits. So it's like if it does turn sour quickly, there's a get out for me at 18 months and it, that, that's fine. Conte will have probably looked at it and thought I'm better than Tottenham at the moment because he definitely is. Um, if I don't get what I've been promised, I can go after 18 months. And it's so, so both parties really sort of is a bit of safety for them. But it is something that we need to look at because I, I, I still can't I can't envisage us going and spending 150 million in the summer with a manager that's only got a year left. There must be something. Do you know what I mean? It just it doesn't feel Spurs. It doesn't feel like the model, whether or not we like it or not. It just doesn't feel like the model that they operate at to go and do something like that. So you'd imagine that there must be some conversations going on. Well, I think they're in a position where they need to change the team. They have to change the team. They've shown that Conte and Paratici can make some purchases because we need to talk about Kulicevsky and Bentica because unbelievable. And they know they need to change the team. So they might as well just go for it with the best manager and the best partnership because they're going to have to do it anyway. They're going to have to sell and buy. So maybe that, that's the, 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 it's an interesting point, isn't it? About if you're better than, if he's better than Spurs, is he higher profile? Yeah. Is, is taking Spurs to back to the Champions League, back to a Champions League final, back to an FA Cup victory. Is that a harder job than taking over City and just, you know, having a limited budget and just smashing it every year? It is. It is, yeah. and I'm, I'm, they, I'm not saying that it's an easy job being at the top because play, being the best takes a huge amount of work. But I think that's easier than taking spurt. Like I think Guardiola's got an easier job than Conte has, frankly. Yeah. I think if you asked all the managers in the Premier League, would you rather take over at City or at Spurs? They're all going to take over at City. Yeah, like they are um, because it would be easier. And yeah. I, you know, the, there's a um, Madrid situation and PSG situation shows you can't just manage egos. A big, you have to have a way of managing egos, but it's a different job in a way. And being the best, being number one, is different from just being better than you know yeah. 16 other teams. I, I get that, but the, there's such a problem, I suppose, that if I would love to, to see Guardiola go down to Leeds now and be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how hard this job is for me, you know. And just do something like that because it's easy when you've got Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets, or when you've got Bayern Munich who've just run that league, or Man City who've just got unlimited budget. So I did see a really good interview that was going around with um, Pep. I think it was from last season. It might have even been when he was at Bayern, 
and a journalist sort of asked, you know, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter that Pep divides opinion. Some say he's the greatest coach ever. Some say that he's only able to win the Champions League at Barcelona because he had Xavi, Iniesta, Messi and these players. And the journalist said to him, like, what do you think of this statement? And Pep said, I completely agree with you. He said, I agree with you. He said, I won the Champions League because I had those players. And it was like, how could I not win the Champions League with those players? And it was, like, it was just, it was going around, I think it was on Twitter at the weekend. And I was like, yeah, I wrote that. But, you know, there was, I watched the cup final yesterday. I don't know if you did. Um, and the, Kep, the Kepper um, Arriva Balaga oh. was magnificent. Like, you could not have made up what happened. It was just a guy that refused to come off in a final a couple of seasons ago to come on for the penalties, save none, and balloon his into the stand. It was incredible. But I was watching that, you know. Obviously, whenever there's a cup final, you always get the stats. It's been X amount of time since Tottenham won a trophy and all of that. And I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm like, everyone says, oh, why don't you go all out for the for the League Cup? It was like, because, like, the final yesterday is Chelsea and Liverpool. Like, what... Do you know what I mean? It's not as if all of these top teams just don't take that cup competition seriously. I think winning any domestic trophy in England is a massive achievement because the League Cup maybe isn't what it was 10 years ago, where it is a bit of a, we'll just stick our youth academy in, because the top teams have got two 11s now. If you look at City's reserve side, that would finish in the top four comfortably. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not as if there is even a weak trophy to go for. So just circling back to the point on Conte, really, Getting Spurs back in the top four, winning a domestic trophy with Spurs is an inc- would be an incredible achievement because you're taking on the likes of City, United, Liverpool and Chelsea, who in terms of budgets, what they spend on players, their wages, they absolutely blow the rest of us out the water. So to be able to compete with them across a 38-game season and do it, like Pochettino did, it, is re- it would be a remarkable thing for Conte to be able to do. And you look at the squads as well. I don't think we're a million miles away at the moment. And the additions of Benton Korn, Kulusevski, especially Kulusevski, um, does give you a little bit of hope now that, you know, one or two more additions like that could all of a sudden we be a team that's got a bit more consistency. So I don't think it's as horrendous as some fans make out. But we've just got to be ready that the rest of the season is going to be like this. We're going to be elated one week and then we're going to be really disappointed the next. And it's like, that's just the Premier League this season. Like, all the teams around us are the same. You know, United drew nil-nil with Watford at the weekend. And you just think, that's a dreadful result. West Ham, you know, have been on a bit of a dodgy run. They dug out a win against Wolves. So now they're back in the mix, you know. So it's like, it's just, that's what it's going to be from now until the end of the season. But let's definitely talk about Benton Korn Kulusevski because... um, Kulusevski for me it has been I mean I've I've actually thought that Lucas Moore has been playing quite well this season I think he's been one of our better players but Kulusevski's coming to the side and it, you know, the efficiency immediately goals and assists and it's like Lucas Moore doesn't do that in games um, he doesn't impact it enough Kulusevski clearly knows what he's good at what his attributes are and he plays to his strengths goal against Leeds was just He's got, he's got the ball with his back to go in at the corner flag. There's nothing mm. on. Ten seconds later, it's in the back of the net. It's just, he, he really, really excites me. He looks like a Spurs player as well. He does. He does. I mean, he is super young as well. And I think what's been impressive is the flexibility. He's played right attacking forward, 10, 
And he's sort of played not right wing back, but close to it as well against City. He was playing defensively. That is for, for a 21 year old to come in and do that, to do more than Giovanni Lacelso has ever done for Spurs, really. Like, yeah. but that's what we should be expecting from signing someone to come in and make that impact. You have a look yeah. at what Diaz is doing at Liverpool. He's been amazing as well. Oh, we, he looks a player at Diaz on the Liverpool. My word. Yeah, I mean, it Gosh. would have been great for us, but he might just be the next Hazard. You know, who should have come to yeah. us. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the Kudasevsky just come in and just done. It looks like his attitude is right as well, and he just he just wants to do it. He looks like he's he's working with Kane already. It just it just seems to make sense, and I, I I've been so impressed by him. Like because you know when we got both of them, we were a bit like all the Juventus fans were saying they're they're just our bench warmers, and you go oh what have we got here? Mm. Unbelievable. I think Benteke has been absolutely brilliant as well. Yeah. Just he's been the midfield. He's been that link that we've been missing, and his attitude is unbelievable. They're both aggressive. They're both are super I'm, I'm, And I, the thing about him being slow, he's not slow. He's a Premier League footballer. But I think he's very quick over the first 10 metres as yeah. well. And I think, like, Bergkamp, they always said that Bergkamp was always the quickest over the first 10 metres at that Arsenal team. And then he might have, he, other players would have caught up with him. That's great. You know, he's, he's not there to be bloody Carl Walker running 100 yards. He's there to, to beat a man and score goals, which is what he's doing. I, I like as well with Kulusevski the directness of him. It's mm. like he gets the ball and he's thinking, how can I create something here? There's no sort of let's just kick the ball and to get. He's just thinking, how can I set a goal up or score? Mm. Um, and the difference between having somebody else in that front three that can create and be a threat, because a lot of teams would look at us. If Bergwijn or Moore are playing on that right hand side, it's not that much of a threat. They think if we can deal with Kane and if we can deal with Kane, then we can probably keep Sun out the game. But Kulusevski is just adding a different dimension to our attack. You know, he yeah. can spin and go in behind. He can take the ball, ball at, at his feet and with his back to goal. Just He looks like just a really, really efficient player. Um, so hopefully he continues the rest of the season like it. Bentoncourt the same. I'm really looking forward to seeing that Bentoncourt and uh, Skip partnership yeah, at some be point. Good, because that looks like, you know, as well, like if you, you look at the attributes of the two players, it, on paper it looks like a partnership that would work quite nicely. You know, mm. you've got Bentoncourt that fantastic progressive passer can take the ball in really tight areas as well play comfortably in his own half you've got skip that's brilliant at winning the ball back he's aggressive gets about the pitch well the two of them i think you know you'd hope would be a really nice combination but um i did want to talk a little bit about um hoybjerg as well because another lovely assist for him for the Kane goal against leeds he's been under the spotlight a lot the last sort of couple of months where his form has dipped but i thought against city he was outstanding um, and then, yeah, against Leeds as well, I thought he put in another really, really good performance in the middle of the park, as did Harry Winks as well. That's another player. Again, it's the consistency, isn't it? But there was a bit of play for the Doherty goal where Winks got the ball mid his own half, drove forward, brilliant ball to Sessignon. It was wing back to wing back one and the ball was in the back of the net. And yeah. Doherty looked like he wanted to cry when that goal went in. He looked, didn't he? He looked so sort of emotional about it. But it's just great to see those players that have been struggling Put in a good like that. Yeah. Was, uh, has had two decent games now, and he just we're finally beginning to see the player he could be. I think it's worth. I've been struggling with were Leeds dreadful and were Spurs good, but I think you forget the second half. The first half they could have been level with us, you know. And I think we we played really well in that first half. You can it's, only beat what's in front of you as well, isn't it? And it's sort of yeah. like I do think Leeds defensively are a poor team, and their record when Calvin Phillips doesn't play is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. So they're they're um, just going through what what we did at the end of the pot train, where 
they're just knackered and teams have worked them out and they, yeah. they need to evolve. And I said that last week on the pit, on the pod, I said, yeah. they're probably going to go down next season because of the, the reason they sacked him in the end. Um, but I, I, the point about Leeds being dreadful is, yeah, you can only beat what's in front of you and it's great. We could have scored a lot more. It, the point um, for me was like, how, how does Winks play, for example, against a poor team, usually pretty well versus a really, really good team? That's the difference between the type of players yeah. that we need. Because I'm sure, um, and Don Belly would have looked amazing against Leeds, yeah. but he probably would have looked awful against Burnley. They're, they're the sort of players yeah. that we need. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was a, it was a victory against Leeds that we really needed. Um, Kane and Son as well linking up to break the Premier League record now with most um, most goals and assists to each other, which is quite extraordinary and you think that number's only going to go up and up and up and up as well like that that looks like that could be a record that is going to withstand for quite a while as well yeah yeah well all the goals were really good Kane's touch like Kane's was was unbelievable the the ball from Kane to Son was unbelievable undefendable it was undefendable that like you just think like you're watching that and you think oh you know centre-halves can you do more Son makes a run and Kane puts it on his fire from 60 yards away. It's like, what can you do as a defender when, when a player does that? Especially because Sun can take it either way then, and they're the perfect distance out from the keeper as well, where he can take a touch or take a shot. So, yeah, there's nothing they can do, and it's behind, it's over their shoulders, so it, it's they're sort of looking and twisting. It's it's the worst ball possible. Benzka's goal was amazing, should have been defended, but wasn't so unbelievable. And even the first goal was just brilliant. That, that was like off the training ground as well. I, I loved yeah. all three goals. He said it, Conte, didn't he, that that was the first game he felt like the wing-backs had the effect that he wanted them to do. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he used to see it loads of times, didn't you, with his Chelsea days, where Moses would hang it up and Alonso would attack it and score at the back post. So it mm. was good to see. I'm just, I'm pleased for Sessegnon that he's bounced back after Wolves. I know I mentioned it last week, but that would have been tough for any player, let alone a young player, to get yeah, taken yeah, off yeah. after 25 minutes and the games he's played since then he's, he's done really well there's also a bit of talk isn't there um, on social media today that the club are looking at a new contract for him so that Conte must be impressed with what he's doing on the training pitch as well oh, to, to be doing yeah. that. Alistair Gold said um, he believe, he said uh, that he asked him about Ryan Sessegnon said he's a massive fan of the 21 year old Conte said that he, he should be an important player he can be an important player for Spurs in England but the first player person who has to be convinced of that is Sessegnon himself mm. brilliant that's what I yeah. want to hear from my manager you know yeah. I that's do a classic it. young player isn't he like, you forget he's only 21 like yes. it's so young he's played a lot of football as well wasn't he um, Fulham and he went on loan last year he was in Germany oh, was it Hertha Berlin maybe he was at last year? He was at a bit of a random German side last year, but again, played a lot of games. So you do hope that he gets a bit of a run going. There's an opportunity for him. With Regulon's been, I think he had COVID, didn't he? So he yeah. was out for a little bit and he's come in and done well. So, you know, with cup competitions as well that we've got coming this week, Often you'd think mind. there's more more opportunities for him to play in the next sort of three, four weeks as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm well up for, um, I'm well up for seeing him. And obviously, uh, What's his face? Reggie can go to Real Madrid in in for forty million, which is a lot of money. But he can go in the summer, so we might have to use Sessegnon more anyway, just to get us ready. But there's no reason why we can't rotate those left backs anyway. I don't think any player deserves, apart from Kane and Son, like in that system. We, one one player needs to stay there. Can we talk about um, Hugo's mistake? Because there there was no. What's happened to him? He's been, I remember saying on the pod probably four or five weeks ago, oh, I know. this is the best football that Loris <laughs> has been playing. This is the best version of Hugo Loris that there is. 
he's been so consistent. Also, he's signed his new deal. He's just started chucking goals in. You think, what are you doing? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure what has happened. I don't know now if he's like. Is he at the point where it's the catch-22? He's conscious he's made mistakes, so he's trying not to make mistakes, so he's making more. I'm not sure, but it looks like he's never played in goal before. It's just the, the thing that, um, against Leeds where he comes charging out and then tries to... I don't even know what he's trying to do because <laughs> I, I didn't see the game live. I had the radio and they were like, Loris has tried to take it round Stuart Dallas. And then I watched it and I was like, well, he's not really tried to do that. I don't really know what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sessegnon and Davis, great defending. They got him out of trouble, but... What's happened to Hugo the last few weeks? They shouldn't have, shouldn't have even had an opportunity. Like as soon as a player got the ball, you go shoot. Like why haven't you shot? Why haven't you shot? Why haven't you shot? Like it. He had about five chances to score, and that just showed that that just shows you like the the confidence level of at Leeds. But yeah, I was really disappointed in Hugo there, and obviously Davis is amazing. Yeah, shock. Um, what we've got coming up, we've got two more games this week. The games are coming thick and fast at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got a game tomorrow night. So we're in the cup tomorrow night, aren't we, against uh, Middlesbrough, which yeah. is going to be a tough game. You know, they're managed by Chris Wilder. We've seen what his teams can do. Did a cracking job getting Sheffield United into the Premier League. Borough have been on a good run since he's gone in there in the Championship. There's not a lot in it between the top half of the championship and the bottom half of the Premier League. So people that are sort of looking at this game thinking, oh, that's cool. We're, we're playing stuff in the championship. We should win that. It's going to be just like Burnley was last week. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to get men behind the ball. They're going to look to frustrate us. We're going to have to play well to get through. Um, I did see some people today on Twitter doing their, um, you know, what their team would be for the Borough game. People like rotating seven players out the side, putting like Scarlett in it, Harvey White in midfield. You're thinking, no, no, this like the FA Cup is huge. We've only got two competitions that we're in, and um, we're fighting for to try and get European football. And we've got we've got the FA Cup. Like we're not playing again until the following Monday. We can pretty much be at, at full strength for this game. You'd expect one or two changes maybe to be made, but apart from that, you may you'd think, you know. Potentially someone like Emerson might come in for Doherty, although I think Doherty should start again because he did well against Leeds. But one or two, maybe they might juggle the midfield round a little bit, something like that. But all in all, like we've got to be right at it tomorrow night in order to get through. So who, who's your team then? Because well, who, who do we know is out? Sorry, Tanganga's out and uh, Skip's out, isn't he? And if possible, if Reggie's possible, I'd, I'd go unchanged. Unchanged? I'd not go even unchanged. Galini. Um, no, no way. I'd rather, I'd rather, honestly, he wasn't even on the bench, Glenn, he was here the weekend. It was, um, Austin was on the bench, but I honestly, I'd, I'd go unchanged. I don't think that we need to make any changes, you know, like we were three nil up at half time against Leeds. It didn't look like the type of game where we were looking leggy with 20 to go. Like they, they should have 90 minutes in the tank, this player. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see anything change really. Benton course still out, isn't he? He'd be yeah. the only one if he's fit, you'd maybe look to bring him back into the side, but Everything else should remain pretty much the same for me. I just, the last thing I want to do is see four or five changes and, you know, bringing players in from the cold to start or giving opportunities to young players. Not the kind of game to be doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we just can't. I would love a cup game where we're not nil-nil at half time. where we're th- do what we did to Leeds. We're just 3-0 yeah. up within half an hour and then we can cruise. Like, how many cup games have we played against teams like this where we just haven't put it to bed and it becomes more difficult now granted we probably don't remember those games as much well we had borough last year didn't we it was last year under jose we had middlesbrough in the fa cup yeah and we had them away and we dug out an equalizer and we drew 1-1 and we brought them back to 
um, the lane for the replay, and I think we beat them 2-1. Not convincing at any point, but you just you're so right. You've got to be so careful in in these tricky away cup ties against good opposition. People forgetting already, Boreham would knocked out Bournemouth. Kidderminster were a minute away from knocking out West Ham. We're only playing Middlesbrough, who in terms of league positions are probably only about 15 or 20 league positions below us. So it's like, it's not as if they're a weak opposition. So we've got to be at it. Um, you just want to get that early goal. That's what you crave in those games, didn't you? Keep the ball, get in front after 15, 20 minutes, and then hopefully your quality um, shines through. But I do think that we'll go up there and win tomorrow. Though, like, I, I just look at that. I think the, the players will be buoyant after the victory against Leeds. The confidence will be high. You just think, let's just go up there, keep that run going. Yeah, like, the, Colchester wasn't that long ago. And that was, I know they did it on penalties, and but that was one of the worst bad. results we've ever had. And that was so painful. Um, but yeah, we need to go for it. Let's go just beat them and then do seven to five changes or whatever. You know, yeah. just, I've always been a big believer of that. Start a strong team, get in front, then take your players off. Like mm-hmm. it makes way more sense. And also players like Kane and Son, they'll be relishing the chance of, you know, a cup tie away from home, chance to go and score more goals. Like why would you not want to be playing that type of match? So fingers crossed for tomorrow night. And then, um, and then we play again the following Monday. Um, we've got Everton at home which is, of course, going to be the return of Delhi, which is going to be... How strange will that be, watching him um, turn out as Spurs for, for the opposition? Before we preview that game, how bad was the handball that Everton should have got against City, the Rodri one? Like, I mean, for the, we've, for the, the VAR things that we suffered, the, the Harry Kane offside when his like a hair was offside, that was... like that almost felt like there was something going on there, like someone was being paid, because that is unbelievable. Like, how do you get away with that? If it was the other way around and Everton were 1-0 up and that had hit, you know, Decore, it'd be given. It'd be a penalty. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I just, they didn't even spend that much time on it. It was sort of like, I, I saw the first replay and was like, that's a penalty. Like, that's, yeah. that's given. And then they were like, they maybe did two or three replays, and they were like, nope, no, there's no clear and obvious error. And I'm like, I just don't get how that's handled. The rule is the sleeve line now, isn't it? Yeah. But you can clearly see it hit his arm as well as the sleeve. Like, I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. People saying that favouritism to the big teams doesn't it? 100% happens. And that was just, everyone have complained, haven't they, about it? And Lampard yeah. will get in trouble for his comments, which were magnificent. But I really felt for Everton with that because they played really well. Yeah, yeah. In, in fine margins, that that's not even a fine margin. It's it's half a page, and it was a bit brutal, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, Everton. I who who knows what's going to happen with them and us? It's like you you could. It's like rolling a dice for on for either team. Like we could be we could turn up one out of six, and they could turn up three. We could turn up six. I, like it just Everton. It never makes sense for us when whenever they're, we play they're Everton. almost like an even more inconsistent version of us. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we, we talk about Everton a lot, don't we? Say, like, sort of 15 years ago, we were sort of neck and neck with Everton. And, like, look at where the two sides are now. It's just sort of like they have really fallen from grace. But they are in trouble in the Premier League. And I knew they were down there, but after watching them against City, they put the league table up at the end, and they're a point from being in the bottom three. So it's like, if if they lose to us and Everton, and, and uh, someone like Burnley go and get a draw, Everton are in, they're in the relegation zone. So it's like... The battle for them is real. They're not like a big team that could get pulled into it. They are in a relegation battle. And it would just be 
there's been better teams than that Everton side that have gone down. So I do look at them and think, you know, the only thing that I think could save them is with Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and Delhi if he gets going, there are goals in their team. But their back four is just, it's absolutely atrocious. So I'm confident for, for playing them, but I was confident after the City game when we were going to Burnley. So who actually knows what's going to happen? But it will be... Great to see Delhi. I hope he gets a good reception. It'd be great to see him play as well, wouldn't it? But um, most important thing for us is bouncing back um, after the the Burnley game, continuing the run in the Premier League after Leeds and getting another win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just can't believe, I can't believe where they are, especially after they spent so much money just in the last 10 years. You know, they're one of the top spenders in the league. But, oh my God. Yeah. It's staggering, isn't it? Like, it really like is. It's, it's staggering how bad they are. The league table's mad. We're now a point, three points behind Arsenal, and they've got a game in hand. But then we've got two point, we're two games behind West Ham and Man United, who are only three points and five points ahead of us. So, like, who knows what's going to happen now? It's so tight, isn't it? And it's like, not that we're ever going to catch them. We're only eight points behind Chelsea, which just feels, do you know what I mean? It feels so strange to lead this season. In my head, City are still fifteen points clear at the top. But like Liverpool win their game in hand is three points and they're playing each other in four or five games time, aren't they? And that is going to be huge for the title race. I can't wait for that game. But the league this year is completely bonkers. But the the battle for the European spaces is just who knows what's going to happen. You know, Man United are, are there at the minute in fourth. They look dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. But then there was a stat going around that since Ranić's taken over at United... Only like City have taken more points, or so, like they're right up there. And it's like they've been terrible since he's joined. Like, what's happened there? So it's a it's a real odd season this year. Well, like I'm looking at their form table. They they they, they haven't lost much. That's that's what they're doing at the moment. They just they just don't lose much. But I I, I said it like Ronaldo's holding them back again. He's offside more than anyone else. He's not scoring. He doesn't do any defensive work. He's just he's a bit of an Urzo at the moment. Like I, I, he's a waste of time and I don't think people don't want him there next year. I think he knows that people don't want him there next year and it's all about his legacy for him. He doesn't care about anything apart from what people think about him and this is not doing him well. So I, I can see him going somewhere else, maybe Porto or um, or, Lisbon, or just somewhere where he yeah. can be a bit more of a hero because it's not all about him anymore. Like, if you would choose choose between Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes, you'd take Bruno Fernandes like every day of the week. It, it's just a bonkers season. I'm just looking at the Premier League table now. Burnley are 18th. They are only six points behind Leicester. So, I mean, Burnley have won three games all season. Like, they're averaging a win every eight games. That's not even five wins in a season on average that they're going to pick up. And it's like they're they're right in the mix to stay up. But it, it is crazy. Palace, Palace are 11th and they've only won six games in the Premier yeah. League. What is that about? It is so odd, isn't it? It's so yeah. odd. And Southampton have just, they've won three out of their last five. They're ninth. They've only won eight. And three out of their last five games, they've won. So it's like six weeks ago, people were saying Southampton could get pulled into it. So it really is a, a, a strange, it's impossible to predict. Um I mean, the two teams at the top are just, you know, so far in front of everybody else. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But the, the relegation um, battle is just that is going to go to the wire because yeah. 
I know they've played a couple more games than everyone down there, but Norwich are only five points off Everton. They've played a couple of games more, but Norwich are dreadful. How were they not just gone? Do you know what I mean? Dean Smith's gone in there. And the job he's doing there, it, like all of a sudden, there's an outside hope that Norwich could stay up. Before he went in there, they were just you were like, no, Norwich are down. Um, so, you know, whatever happens in the next 10 or so games, it, it's going to be amazing at both oh. ends of the table. Brentford as well. Like, everyone loves Brentford, but they are three point, only three points ahead of Burnley. They've played three games more than Burnley and their their form is the worst in the league. Lost, lost, draw, lost, lost. So, like, who knows what's going to happen? They're, they're leaking goals and their goals have dried up, which is, you know, not a good sign. And you look at the sides down the bottom there, like the goals against Burnley have conceded 30 goals in 24 games. We've let in more. So, I mean, we've, we've let in two more goals than them. So it's like the problem for Burnley is scoring um, and they draw a lot of games. They don't win enough. Like Leeds have let in 60 goals. But that's in 26 funny, games. They've conceded the most of any Premier League team has ever conceded in a pre- in a month, in the shortest month of the year. It's mad, isn't it? So, like City have only scored four more goals than what Leeds have let in. That's how many goals Leeds are shipping. It's just it, it's bonkers, isn't it? But it's a really exciting season, you know, not really knowing what's going to happen at the yeah, top, yeah. what's going to happen in Europe, who's going to go up, who, uh, sorry, who's going to stay up, who's going to go down. It is quite a good, um, it is quite a good season for everyone, um, really. So, Let's just hope that this week we uh, we keep our form going and we find a little bit of consistency in, in both games. Um, yeah. Do you have any other business? Is there anything else that you want to... Yeah, I, I saw... It's, it's really boring. Um, it's not boring. It, the Champions League, I've got the players with the most assists per position in the history of the Champions League. Some really surprising ones. So you go... The front three is Di Maria, Ronaldo and Messi, 35, 42, 36. So Di Maria has only got one fewer assists than Messi, which I thought was quite interesting. You and forget then, that you Dean Maria in that Madrid dominance was like a massive player. Yeah. When he went to United, I thought, how have United got here? Like, what a signing that is for United. He was dreadful. Yeah, he scored one goal, didn't he, that was that was like goal of the month contender. and just. But he always hated it. You could tell it just wasn't yeah. for him. Um, then in the middle of the park, you've got Iniesta on 29, Xavi on 30, Müller on 26. All of that's fine. But goalkeeper is Nua with one assist. I would have thought there'd be more keepers yeah. with more than one assist. Yeah. Uh, that's it. The interesting thing is centre-backs. Alaba has got 17 assists. Um, and, and then the next the next best centre-back is Pepe on five. Yeah, I suppose Alaba did do a bit of time at fullback, didn't he, in he the did. odd game in midfield. But still, from a defensive player to have that many assists in the, the elite, you know, oh, mate. club football competition. Marcelo's on 24, which is, which is only five behind Iniesta and only two behind Thomas Muller. And Dani Alves is on 23. So basically, if you played in Spain, you got loads yeah. of assists for Ronaldo yeah. and Messi. That's what it that is. That side is literally Barcelona and Real Madrid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's basically what that team is. Yeah. Incredible. With three Bayern Munich teams. That's it. It's oh and then Di Maria, which is yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um there was a brilliant thing going around as well where people talking about Lacelso the other day because apparently he had an okay game for Villarreal and someone put on Twitter the stats from the Premier League this season and Oh, no, for the last two seasons, and Allison's got more goals and assists than Celso. <laughs> and Allison's got like one goal, two assists, and it was more than him. And I was like, that is amazing. Did you see um, Fernandez's free kick goal? Decent free kick goal from a oh, tight, 
Yeah, I was probably our second and biggest. Edson Fernandez is that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I learned cycling from last year. Um, I mean, it was a free kick, but it was it was from the side of the box, so it was whipped in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we was... signed him. I remember that thinking, who's this guy? And then looking at the deal, and there was a an optional um, buyer clause for fifty million euros. <laughs> For who has put that in? That is mad. That's wishful thinking, even for his agent. Oh man! So many of those players, you just think, how has that happened? Yeah, I, I don't, because he was meant to. I, because I always thought Renato Sanchez would be the next big thing as well. And I remember when Swansea got him, and I thought, ah, oh, he's going to be made, and he wasn't. But he's doing all right yeah. now, isn't he? Where is he now? I'm not sure. Today. He's, he's playing Champions League football, I think. But you always get that they're like players that. If you play FIFA or Football Manager and get five or six years in, they're like the top players and you think, oh, yeah. that's what's going to go and happen. And then you see, no disrespect to them, Swansea sign and you think maybe he's, maybe he's not quite that good. Yeah, plays for Lille. But yeah, I, I thought he was going to do it. Didn't. I'm not very good at predicting the futures. I mean, Jake Livermore is an obvious blot <laughs> on my past. Uh, well, Carl Walker-Peters, I just wanted to talk about him as well because I was reading a load of stuff on him at the minute about how much he's loving his football at Southampton and... We got in hindsight, we got that one wrong, didn't we? Letting him go and spending the money on Emerson and Aurier and all of those oh, yeah. when we had we had a homegrown guy right there who loved playing for Spurs. But it's good to see him doing well. How mad is it? We just let Aurier go on a free just because he just paid him off. Paid him, paid off to, him go. to leave. We said we would we'll give you money if you stop playing for us. Fuck and, off. and then. And then he went in goal in the AFCON, didn't he? Which was just like, incredible. Have you seen, um, Aubameyang's got like 50 goals for Barcelona already as well, scoring hat-tricks and everything. I don't know what's yeah. going on anymore in football. I, I don't know what's going on. Football is a, it's weird now. Like It does feel like FIFA career mode has happened. And there's these weird transfers happening. You get these weird results and you just think, can't quite understand actually what is going on. But... As long so, as Spurs pick up a few wins, that's all I care about. Well, we did have a listener question. I almost forgot to uh, from Giles. He said, um, it's all about the mentality. And he said, look, in 2022, we've won four and lost five in the league. So th- literally this calendar year, so which is 12 points. Would you, and do you think Conte is the two separate questions, rather have been undefeated and just won one and drawn eight and got 11 points instead? Mm, it's difficult, isn't it? Because... Losing that losing can become a habit very quickly. That's it. So it's and you like, look at Conte's reaction as well to losing. Like, yeah, so with it yeah and it's very easy to go on a run where you lose games. So sort of the the art of playing poorly and not losing is something that we've always lacked at Spurs, really, haven't we? Give or take a few years, we've always had to play well to get results. I can't even remember really even under Poch too many times where I watched this and we were like we were dreadful today, but we've we've nicked to win. Like, mm. It was always you've got to do well. So there is sort of something in being hard to beat. Um, I think as a football fan, though, you'd rather have the wins and have the losses than than have a lot of consistent draws, if I'm totally honest. But you'd probably argue that it's easier to turn draws into wins than it is to turn defeats into wins because you've got that base there. You've only yeah. sort of got to do one or two more things in a game to, to win. Um, but from an entertainment perspective... As much as I've hated the last few weeks, it's brilliant. Winning at the City, losing at Burnley, hammering Leeds. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I, yeah, I was thinking, you know, maybe a draw or a base. But if if we just drawn eight games, 
Is that what it is? Yeah, one one drawn eight games. I, I, we would not have. We would be doubting Conte as well. We'd be going, you what would, is he doing? Because yeah. this is no better than Nuno or Mourinho. Mourinho, we obviously didn't draw every game, but the style we would have been playing to have to have drawn those games, we wouldn't have. And you can see little, little seedlings, little buds of of leaves of joy coming through the team now. So, um, yeah, I'm all for the what chaos. What we've got now, I feel like under Conte, is that we've got the inconsistency now, which we didn't have before. Because under Nuno and Jose, we were just poor, and we were poor every game, and we weren't getting results. And every week, it just felt like we were having the same discussion. Whereas under Conte, we're having games now where you're like, that was incredible, but then we will then go back to being poor the next one and it's like so we are making steps in the right direction it's just it's probably even more frustrating now than what it was because you're having those highs so like I said at the top of the show really I I don't think that we're a million miles away from being a good side I just think we've got to get a left-sided centre-half because that's it's a it's a real Davis has been doing he's done well for us there over the course of the season but he's not a centre-back and it's like he's not the player that if he starts 30, 35 Premier League games for you, you're going to struggle to finish in the top four. Not that he's a bad player, but he's just not elite. So we need to get, we need to figure that out, and we've got to figure out the the, the wing back situations. But the rest of the team, like Hugo, apart from the last few games, no problems at all. I've always been a fan of Dyer. I think the leadership he brings is good. Romero looks like he's going to be a good acquisition and a good player for us. Um, get the left-sided centre-half in. Regulon's OK. Sessegnon's OK. It's not a big issue there. Sort the right wing back out. Benton Corn skip in the middle of the park with Hoiberg. Probably one over as, as his understudy. I don't think Winks will cut it, but, you know, you can go and get another player there. Front three look great. You've got Moore and Bergwijn as, again as understudy. It's not the worst side in the world and not the worst squad. If we can just figure out how to plug those couple of other gaps, yeah. I think it will give us a good foundation for next season. I'm not um I'm not a hundred percent sold on Skip yet as this, I just think he's a he's a good player doing the job we expect him uh to do. Is he the heart of the midfield? Probably. Like nine out of ten, yes. There's a one inch of doubt just because of it's like Winks having a good game of Leeds, like is what is he gonna do that's that's gonna be game changing or what like is he the best in his position in that? in that team like would he go into Liverpool maybe maybe not like what is he is he do we just think he's good because we're not very good you know is, is I, that think with Skip, I think with Skip like, I, I get all of those points and it's like for me he's not a player that does completely transform a side and he doesn't change games but he just gives you that consistency he gives you security in the middle of the park and I do think the games where he's been out I would question, I know we conceded against Burnley to a set play, but then I would argue that does that set play happen if he's there? He probably wins the ball. And it's little things like that. I think he's more of a preventer than he is a a creator. And he he actually stops teams, which would allow the likes of Bentoncourt to get on the ball and play a bit. So I I do actually think when he comes back, he's probably going to struggle because he's been out a while. And Conte's teams are very intense. You've got to be fit. So he's going to struggle the first half of dozen games he plays. But... I look forward to having him and Bentacle next season. I think that could be a really, really nice base for us to then go and build on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, I've just seen 
comments from Conte saying Benzco's improving, saying after Middlesbrough should be back, Skipper st started to work. So we want him one week for training sessions, then he'll be back. So uh, that's really good. But Skip, who's the um, in Liverpool, City, Chelsea, who's the Skip? Is there a version of Skip in there? And how do you think he compares? Um, I'm not trying to catch you out. I'm just trying no, to. No, it's a different type of midfielder, really, because. I'd probably say he's more of a Jordan Henderson kind of player, that he's not a sit in front of the back four and protect and dictate play like a Fabinho does. I think Skip's at his best when he's got somebody alongside him that is doing that more of an anchor and he can actually get about the pitch and play and get in people's face and win it back. So I'd probably say Henderson would be that kind of player. Nowhere near on, on those no, levels. No, no. Like I, I love Jordan Henderson. He's one of my favourite players in the Premier League because he's not the best I just love what he brings to the team. So I think he's that, he's that kind of player um, yeah, okay. for me. You get okay. that defensive midfielder alongside him, I think that'd be really, really great. Okay. Yeah. yeah and City, the City midfielders, they're all freaks. You yeah. just can't compare any of them, if I'm totally honest. Like, I watched Bernardo Silva again at the weekend, and it's like, that guy's, what is he, five foot six? He must be barely 10 stone. There's nothing of him. He's not physical. He's one of the best central midfielders I've ever seen. He is ridiculous. And I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit that he should about what a player he is because he can do everything. Like he plays one week, he's playing left wing, then he's playing sort of in, in a two in midfield, then he's playing off the front man. Like it, it is versatility. Oh, just could talk about him and watch him play football all day. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's almost a shame Kevin De Bruyne is there because he doesn't he doesn't get shouted out he doesn't get shouted out about enough. But yeah, yeah they're they're all freaks. Yeah. Well, anyway, big week ahead. Let's hope for victory in the cup and another league win. Um, whoa, whoa, next whoa. week. Are you not? We doing... can't do a we can't we can't do a quiz if that's what you're going to ask. I I would have prepared something. Fine. I was going to do. Oh, fine. But it, it means I haven't lost the week. Okay, that's fine. So you keep the run going. You keep the run going. That's it. Another week undefeated. Joe Kalzaki of the Maldini or Roden <laughs> undefeated. Now, I am biased, a little bit biased towards Welsh people, but the, forgetting all of that, the the race of, I don't know why people don't respect Kalzaki more. Um, but we'll, we'll get back to that. That's a separate podcast. It's a separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, um, pleasure as always chatting to you, mate. And uh, thank yeah, you, you to too, everybody man. for listening. And uh, whatever happens this week, remember the future's bright, future's Lily White. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. 
We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do. This is quite...